Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you're at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much for listening today to the Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, friend. I'm Mark Cravens, the podcast host, and you're, we're just so glad that you're with us today. We have Mark Sankey here in the studio. If you have not heard part one of Mark's story, you need to go back and listen to that first and then catch up with today's podcast because you're going to miss a lot of vital parts of that story. But we have Mark Sankey here. Mark has been a pastor, a missionary. He's been in missionary uh, administration. He's been in Bible school work. Mark, it's good to have you again here on the podcast. It's good to be back. Yeah. When we ended that story, and, and boy, it was hard to just stop right there. You were telling us a story about how you started out early in the morning, you and John Parker on a journey, and then in the dark, wee hours in the morning, a rock was thrown through the windshield, a gang of bandits evidently were trying to get you off the side of the road and no doubt take everything that you had, maybe even take your life. Um, and you found yourself slumped over, unconscious, and John Parker takes over at the wheel. Let's pick up the story there, and let's start telling us what happened from that point of time. Okay. So uh, again, I'll just stress so many details and little miracles I have to leave out because mm -hmm. of time constraints, which is all in the book, and you'll be able to read it there and, and have all of the, the whole context and story. Driving down the road, John now has and I'm leaving this part out, but John is now in the driver's seat. We've got switched. Okay. And uh, that's another story in itself. I remember asking him right after this happened. I'd been hit in the head, and the one thing I do remember is him praying. The atmosphere in the car had changed, and he was now crying out to God, oh, God, please don't let Mark die. I can still hear the agonizing emotion in his voice wow. as I tell you wow. this. And I said, I remember saying what happened, and he said, I think verbatim, Mark, buddy, you've been hit in the head with a rock, and I don't think you're going to make it. And he's crying. And wow. then he started praying, oh, mm -hmm. God, please don't let Mark die. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he's still steering from the passenger seat, and I'm incapacitated in front, in and out, you know. So anyway, so we get switched. Uh, he had told me, I have to get you to a hospital. And to show you how out of it I was, I told him, I said, well, let me drop you off at the bus station, and on the way back, I'll get it stitched up, which <laughs> oh, I, I didn't yeah, realize. You were out of it. I yeah. didn't realize that I had been potentially mortally I was bleeding out, had no yeah. idea. you know. So he said, no, we, we're getting you to a hospital. So we're driving down the road. Uh, this is after a phone call from my wife, which was providential. You'll read about that in mm -hmm. the book. Mm -hmm. She couldn't go back to sleep, and so she called. Uh, anyway, that's, a, that's another story. Uh, we get switched. He's driving down the road. He has no idea where he is. He's, he, does, he knows he's in the middle of Mexico, but he has no idea where, where anything is. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I'm bleeding out in the seat beside him, and he's just praying. And so finally, after a, a, what he said felt like an eternity, just driving down this dark road in the middle of Mexico, not knowing what to do, he finally sees lights in the darkness, and it's a convenience store. And he pulls up under the lights, 
runs inside, still covered in my blood, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know any Spanish. You know, he knows the he knows how to say amen in Spanish. That's pretty easy, you know, in church services. And he knows right. how to ask the really important questions like "Donde está el baño?" Like, "Where's, yeah, the, where's bath- the bathroom?" <laughs> yeah, he knows I, how I to- got that one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I know Taco Bell. Yeah, you know, I yeah. know a couple. Of right, those right, are very right. essential things right, you got to know. Right. But really, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't know Spanish, and so he's using gestures. The one thing I I was able to realize, he had leaned me back in the passenger seat, so I could actually see just a little bit out of the corner of my right eye. So just a little bit. If I leaned back, mm-hmm. I could just see a little bit. And I saw him coming out of that, that convenience store, and he had picked up another Spanish word because he was looking inside at whoever, waving them frantically, mm-hmm. like, come out here and see. And he was saying, pronto, pronto. He, he knew that meant right, right now, Hurry, quick. You right. Know? So he came out. He borrowed, quote, unquote, a bottle of water from the convenience store to get it down. He, he was afraid I was going to drown on my own blood mm-hmm. and go into shock, both of them real real scenarios. He came, fought like we fought like two wounded soldiers on a battlefield, and he's there trying to keep me alive and keep me alert. And we're arguing mm-hmm. about whether I'm going to the hospital or not. For some reason, I didn't want to go to the hospital. That's another story I tell in the book that I don't have time now to. But anyway, he's 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 giving getting me something to drink, and he's praying because now the ambulance has been called. Lord, okay. where do I send this ambulance? Because it's a little different in Mexico. The guy driving the ambulance may not have any medical. Uh, any medical knowledge at all. He's just a guy who drives an ambulance. He's not connected to a hospital. Oh my. You have to tell him, I want to go to this hospital. And John doesn't know. The only thing he knows is about 40 miles up the road is the large city of Querétaro. And he rightly thought they would have great hospitals. The only problem was when I finally got treated, the doctors who treated me said I never would have made it that far had we tried to go all that way. We didn't know where anything was. I was incapacitated. He had no idea where a hospital was. Mm -hmm. So he's praying. Mm -hmm. So while he's praying in this dark parking lot in the middle of Mexico, waiting for the ambulance, out of the darkness walks a Mexican man in a business suit speaking English. And he walks up to John, looks at me. Mm-hmm. I'm bleeding out this huge hole in my head. I'm obviously dying. And he looks at John and says, take your friend to CMQ Hospital. He will be fine. Now, I don't know how any other any human being could look at another human being having seen me, and say he right. will be fine. Right. But John turned around. He would, the guy was right there and said, take your friend to CMQ Hospital. He will, he turns around, John does, to tell mm-hmm. me I'm laying down in the car to tell me that. He tells me that, what, takes five, ten seconds? Mm-hmm. And he turns around, and the guy's gone. That's incredible. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so, you know, I, I people say that was an angel. I don't know, but I know God sent that man that right, day. Right, absolutely. Uh, and, and it could have been an angel. It could have been, absolutely yeah. could have been. I, you know, so so that that guy appears kind of out of nowhere and disappears. We have no idea where, mm-hmm. it, but gives us life saving, critical life saving information that we had to have. CMQ Hospital. We had no idea. I lived down there for a while. In that very area, had no idea there was a CMQ. This very great hospital that was not even ten minutes from where we were. That close. Yeah. Just wow. right. I mean, it was right. We had no idea. Okay. So finally, the ambulance comes skidding to a stop on the gravel in the parking lot, and they don't get out. The driver, the medic, and the passenger, they just sit there and look at me with their mouths agape. Mm-hmm. And John is saying that word again and pronto and waving, and they don't move. So John gets me by the elbow, walks me to the back of the ambulance. John opens the back doors of the ambulance, pushes me up inside under my own strength. Miraculously, I lay myself down on the cot. John closes the doors and then communicates to the ambulance driver, CMQ is CMQ in Spanish. So it's a very close. Mm-hmm. You can say CMQ and they'd probably understand, oh, CMQ, is that, that's where, and the guy knew right where it was. 
and took off down the road. And John said, I, I knew I had to stay on his bumper because he said, I had no idea where Sam Q Hospital was. And he told me later, he said, Mark, I never would have found you had I lost that ambulance you know, driver because mm -hmm. I didn't know where it was. Right, right. So we get there. John says it's a professional place. And, and get this, when I get there, there's not one other patient in the emergency room. So all of those, the doctors can put their entire attention on saving my life. Uh, which is another just it's, it's just a it's little, miraculous. It's just, it yes. is. It, it, really it really is. is. They're all there. They all. I can't. Don't have time to tell you all the things that happen in the ER. Suffice it to say, the X-rays and the CT scans showed I had this crushed left eye orbit, crushed nose. My my forehead looked like someone had taken a jackhammer to a sidewalk. Just little bits of skull, bone all broken up, and then this huge gaping hole right here mm -hmm. in the left side of my forehead. Mm -hmm. In fact, the reason there's a dent there is because there wasn't enough skull or bone to be able to fill fill that up. And so I, I was left with a dent. The reason I know how it looked, the, the sidewalk, you know, the jackhammer sidewalk comment is that post-surgery, the plastic surgeon who was called in showed us pictures. They cut me from ear to ear and rolled that part of my face off my skull so they could do the the neurosurgery, the brain and, and skull surgery that they had to do on me. Unbelievable. And yeah. so I saw, yeah. you know, I, I saw that put two metal titanium plates in my forehead to put the skull back together again. Mm -hmm. Plastic surgeon rebuilt the nose and the eye orbit and all of that. Uh, another miracle, I just got to tell you, it was two weeks after that, three weeks after that, went to the ophthalmologist. I could see 20-20 out of both of my eyes. I shouldn't even have, I shouldn't be alive. Right, In fact, Absolutely. The, the nurses, yeah. that's, the doctors that treated me in the ER told my wife, people who arrive at the ER that have that kind of head injury normally arrive dead. So I shouldn't even be alive. Mm -hmm. If I'm alive, I shouldn't even be able to sit up and talk to you. Uh, you know, I should. You know, I should probably be a vegetable. I, I, I mean, I had traumatic brain injury and all Absolutely. that goes along with that. Right. It's just, and again, you know, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm just kind of hitting the highlights. But, wow. but anyway, so that's you know, get to the hospital. Have mm -hmm. so the, the there's no neurosurgeon there. They have to call the neurosurgeon. He is walking out his door to go to a conference in Mexico City which is three and a half hours away when they call him. So it they catch something. him just in the nick of time. Yeah. He comes, uh, puts a, hands my wife a, a piece of paper. Of course, she's crying and just, mm -hmm. you know, her husband's mm -hmm. dying. She's in a foreign country. All this is in Spanish. And he says, please sign this, giving me permission to do surgery on your husband. And she did the same. She did what I would have done. I would have mm -hmm. done the same because our experience in Mexico up to that point had not been good when it came to hospitals. All we knew was just terrible, terrible things. So she said to him, I don't mean to offend you, but do you know what you're doing? Are you qualified? Mm -hmm. And he said, Senora, we don't have time to have this conversation. He said, your husband has about 20 minutes before he goes into shock, and we're going to lose him after that. I have to do this. I know what to do to save his life, but I have to do it now. We found out later. She signed, went into surgery. Found out later that neurosurgeon had studied and practiced neurosurgery in New York and St. Louis and had practiced neurosurgery for 27 years and, in fact, taught other neurosurgeons how to do the surgery he well, did on me that That day. was a God thing. <laughs> yeah, it certainly I mean, was. Uh, the, the, the perfect hospital, no one in the ER so that they could take care of The neurosurgeon that was, I mean, the best yeah. that there was. And, I mean, just miracle after miracle right, along the right. way. Come out of surgery hours later, and they give the good report. They feel like, I'm going to survive. Before the week is out, I, my eyesight has, has been tested. I can walk and talk and all the things that they weren't, they had no idea if I'd even yeah. live, much less all these things. So, uh, again, just a it's really a quick over, overview. Yes. I was a week in the hospital. Uh, so, 
a neurosurgeon, a neurosurgery, a plastic surgeon, a plastic surgery, seven mm-hmm. days and nights in a hospital with nurses and hospitalists and all that goes along with that. In the U.S., we're talking hundreds of thousands, maybe over a million dollars. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, $17,000 was wow. the cost. Now, we didn't have that, <laughs> but I mean, you talk about a... And our denomination, the church came together. Yes. And I mean, they gave... And we we got out. We, the catch was you had to get that, you had to pay that before you were allowed to leave the hospital. That was the oh, catch. Oh wow, that's incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so but anyway, our church came together, our denomination yeah. got us the money, and then when we got, we had the Christian healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, plan. And when so then we got finally got their money, we were able to pay back our our denomination for that. So that's yeah, again, Mark, that's just a very yeah. brief overview of there's so many other things in there, but that's kind of where where it ends. Mark, I, I know. And 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 we're going to come back here just a moment after this uh after we hear from our sponsor, but I want to follow up here in just a moment by asking you like to think about what are two or three very important lessons you felt like God taught you during that time. But while you're thinking about that, we're going to pause, and we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back again. Say, friend, are you looking for a Bible college to attend so you can prepare for what God has called you to do in life? Well, you don't need to look any further than God's Bible School and College. Yes, God's Bible School and College is a conservative, Bible-believing, fully accredited college located in Cincinnati, Ohio. They have both on-campus and online courses available for you to where you can get your degree both on-campus or online. You'll be taught by some of the greatest faculty in America. They have great programs. It's a great college, and it's extremely affordable. Why don't you check them out? They're sponsors of our Hope Along the Journey podcast, and we deeply appreciate that. If you're looking for a Bible college or you know someone who's looking to go to Bible college, then please check out God's Bible School and College. Go to the website at www.gbs.edu. That's right. That's www.gbs.edu and talk online with a student recruiter. I know they've got something that they would like to share with you that might very well fit into God's plans for your life. Thank you so much. And now back to today's podcast. All right, Mark, we're back again here at the studio. And I wanted to I told you I was going to ask you this, and I kind of prepped you for this. So here we go. Uh, what do you feel like were maybe two or three of the most important lessons you feel like God taught you through that or has come out mm-hmm. of this whole situation that you went through, this this storm, as you called yeah, it, that you yeah. went through? There's, there's so many things. Uh, I'll try to whittle it down to basically, I think, maybe two things. Number okay. one... Uh, the Word of God is a sustaining force and power, regardless of what you're going through. Amen. Uh, John uh, John was awake for all of it. He was alert and conscious for all of mm-hmm. it. He w- about lost his mind after that. While I was in getting x-rays and CT scans, he went outside, buried his head in his hands, and said, Lord, please. He was just hearing the exploding windshield, the thud of the rock on my forehead. He was smelling <laughs> the, the blood in the vehicle. Wow. He, wow. he was overwhelmed. Yeah. And he said, God spoke to me and reminded me of the words of my mother's favorite hymn, Under His Wings, My Soul Shall Safely Abide, Under His Wings Forever. Uh, went back into the ER waiting room, and there was a Mexican pastor there, and somehow he got him to read Psalm 91, 
which was, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say Mm -hmm. of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him I will trust. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall find refuge. His angels shall have charge over you, lest you dash your foot, and I like to add, or head against a stone. I mean, it just, (laughs) so God's word was was powerful in those Mm -hmm. days. I remember waking up in the hospital, in and out of consciousness, and Claire Sams was down there, and he was just reading the words of Psalm 34. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what a comfort and blessing the Word of God was. The second thing uh, that has stuck with me all these years is for the first few weeks after the attack on my life, I had an angry red scar that started here in my left eyebrow, went up mm-hmm. to the top of my forehead, and mm-hmm. then, if your listeners can imagine, kind of a half moon shape down to the tip of my nose. When I walked into church or anywhere, that's what people saw. This just I mean, it just shouted at you, look at this. It looked like Frankenstein, Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. it was just, I, I and I don't blame people for looking. <laughs> right, I mean, that, right. they looked at that, not me. Yeah. You know, it was just obvious. And so mm-hmm. I walked around with that for several weeks, maybe a couple months. That was just very, very obvious. Our Mexican pastor and his wife, dear friends of ours, Dolores and Silvia, came to our house as I was recovering there in Saltillo. And as is their practice, after they had visited for a while, they wanted to pray. And so we stood in a circle at the door of our house, Mm -hmm. Dolores to my right, Sylvia in front of me, and my wife to my left, kind of in a circle. And he prayed. And then when he said, amen, he looked at me. And now I realize he wasn't really looking at me. He was looking at this red scar. Mm -hmm. And he said to me with all seriousness, he said to me, you know, brother, you can now say you have the marks of the gospel on you. Wow. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, still, to be right, honest, Mark, right. I don't think about it that way, but he did. And all mm-hmm. of the nationals, all my Mexican friends, brothers and sisters, that's how they thought of that scar on my head. He has the marks of the gospel. Why? Because in the commission of my, obe- of my obeying the call of God to go right, to Mexico right. as a missionary, mm-hmm. I, I sustained this, this injury. And those Mexican brothers and sisters say he has the mark of the gospel. Now, here's, here's what I thought. I remembered Paul the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6 saying, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself often, shouldn't all of us be marked? Not with a red scar on our forehead or anywhere on our body for that matter, but shouldn't all of us be marked with a fervent love for God? That's so true. Shouldn't all of us be marked with a a Christ-like spirit? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't all of us be marked with a love for lost souls? Shouldn't all of us be marked with... Somebody can look at us and say, there's something different because, you know, Jesus has done something. That's right. Uh, And I guess the thing that... The question that burns its way to the forefront of my mind about all of this, after what I've been through and my family has been through, and, and, you know, the, the risk we took to go to Mexico, a dangerous country, is what is Jesus worth mm-hmm. to you? What is he worth to me? Is he worth any risk that he might ask of us? That's right. And for probably the majority of your listeners, God's probably not going to call the majority mm-hmm. of your listeners to go to some cannibalistic you know, tribe and where they have to. But God is calling his people to risk something often for Absolutely. the sake of his kingdom. That's right. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and so my question to me, myself, and to your listeners, to all of us, is what is Jesus worth to you? Is he? Do you love him enough that he's worth any risk that he might ask of you so that his kingdom, not your kingdom, but so that his kingdom is advanced on the earth? Ah, oh, Mark, that's such a powerful point, because I, I do think we like our Christianity to be comfy and cozy. Yeah. We, we don't really want to have risks. Yeah. But when you read the Gospels and you read the call of Christ to discipleship, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And all the time that Jesus prepared his people to say, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Mm-hmm. They're going to cast you out of the synagogue. This and this and this is going to happen. And and I do think sometimes that we Americans especially, we anticipate a Christianity that's comfy and cozy, yeah. not a one that not one that has risks or which we're called to bear a cross. You're right. You're yeah. exactly right. And you know, uh, I think a lot of us, to borrow a phrase from David Platt, we want a nice middle class American Jesus. You know, yes. that, some yeah. <laughs> a Jesus that would never ask us to give up anything. You know, but it's true. Yeah. And I think the probably to wrap it up, to the thing that I that. I've learned, I think, in this, and you learn it head in your head growing up in church as I did all my life. God's always there. You know, He'll never mm-hmm. leave you. Right. But when you go through the storm and you go through the pain and the confusion and all of and the darkness, then you realize that He's not just, it's not just whistling, He actually is there. Amen. That's right. And in the right. broken glass and in the blood and the broken bones and the broken body and the broken emotions, God never leaves. He's always there. And he suffers along with us as, yes, we go through the, as we go through the journey. Yes, right. Well, Mark, we're going to have you back again sometime um, to talk about what's happened in your life since that time, because I know God's had you on a yeah. remarkable journey of healing since that process. Uh, but I do want to mention again to our listeners about the book, In Angel's Charge, a missionary survival story. Tell us again where our listeners can get this book. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's probably a little better for us if you just look us up on Facebook, but you can Very you good. can find it on Amazon. Go to Melody Sankey or Mark Sankey on on Facebook, and we'll we'll make sure you get it. Great, great. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks it's been for a having joy me. to have you. And listeners, I know you've really enjoyed this. Again, if you didn't hear part one, go back and hear part one, and then listen again. Tell a friend, somebody out there that may very much appreciate what this podcast has to share. Share the podcast with others. And as always, I want to remind you that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And if you look to him, you will truly find hope along the journey. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, Follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more hope along the journey.